Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Good morning! Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's time to wake up. It's five, and we're live. Oh, is this thing on? I don't care. I want him to hear. This is the pregame show, your early morning shot of sports on 95.7 The Game. Come on! Yes, sir. Good morning, family. And that's an important word today. Family. Family needs to come together when times are tough, when times are sad. And and really, that news over the weekend with James Wiseman after Saturday's game against the Rockets where at the start of the second quarter he went up for a dunk and, and hurt his knee when yesterday we got the report that it was a fear that it was a a torn meniscus and that he could miss the rest of the season, most likely will miss the rest of the season. It was just a bummer for the weekend, and you know you feel uh, for James Wiseman, and we'll be talking about that uh, a lot today. Um, do want to get some other stuff out of the way from the first segment, but we will be talking uh, a little bit about James Wiseman and just the impact that it has on the season the rest of the way, because there is some positivity. Um, there is some positivity with the Giants and the fact uh, that they just swept the Rockies which was just a huge home opening series for the jerseys on the back, which, you know, or the, 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 the names on the back of the jerseys. Not really a fan of that. I, I didn't care at first when I heard it and I saw it on online. I'm looking at the pictures. I'm thinking, okay, and, you know, whatever. I, I won't care too much one way or another. Then when I actually saw it played out, play out on the field, yeah, I'm not like I'm not really liking the names on the back of the jerseys, but we will get to all of that coming up today. Triple eight nine five seven nine five seven zero. That is the text line and the phone number. If you want to weigh in, because there were a couple of cool things to happen in sports, and before we uh, get to what went on at the Masters, if you're just getting into your car right now and you're just waking up, and maybe you watched. Sunday night baseball, and that was the last sporting event you watched. I'm sure this is still on your mind, but if you didn't see this yesterday, the Phillies and Braves were tied on Sunday night baseball. Really good matchup. It was tied 6-6. There was a lot of scoring early. The Phillies and the Braves, they're both fun teams to watch in general, 
And seeing as both of them are in the same division, it makes it even more fun. Plus, the Braves got those uniforms. They're swagged out. And it's been a good game up until the top of the ninth when Alex Alec Baum started off the inning with a double and then eventually gets to third because of a fielder's choice. So there's one out. There's Alec Baum, the runner on third for the Phillies. They're in the top of the inning. Former giant Will Smith is on the mound, and Didi Gregorius is at the plate. This is what happened last night on ESPN. Didi pops that one into the opposite field. Ozuna's got it. Bone's going to try it. Here he comes, and he's safe at the plate. Wow! On a shallow fly ball into left field. They roll the dice with Ozuna's arm. And Bohm is able to score on a bang-bang play at the plate. Credit ESPN for the audio. Alec Bohm, from the vantage point of your TV, and you're sitting there watching, in real time you're thinking, ah, maybe he got under it, but he looked out. It looked like he might have got under the tag, but he looked out in our eyes. And then they start showing the slow-mo replay. And the slow-mo clearly shows that Bohm's foot was nowhere near home plate. It looked like it might have touched it, but evidence showed that the foot had clearly skipped over one side of the plate, and when it crossed the plate, it didn't touch it on its way over to the other side. So really, he was not safe. He was out. And after all the deliberation... After going to New York and checking the replay center, having other people tell you what's going on. Instead, the call is confirmed. He remains safe. The Phillies get the run. 7-6 game. Then the Braves go into the bottom of the ninth and don't do anything with it. The Phillies win 7-6. Now, manager Brian Snitker wasn't as heated as I expected him to be in the post game, because if you saw the post game reaction at all, you saw Snitker just put his hands up, throw his hat in the air, not even really know what to do at this point. But Drew Smiley, former Giant, now with the Braves, had some thoughts, and of course he pitched in yesterday's ball game. But here's what Drew Smiley had to say about the fact that they did not overturn that call when he was clearly safe at home. It's a shame to end a game, a game like that. It's, you know, in real time, it's obviously bang, bang. Lance is right there in position, making the best call he can. Um, but then we have five different angles on a national televised game. And it's clear that his foot didn't touch the plate, that it was on the chalk. Everyone saw it and sees it. You know, everyone knows it. And for MLB not to overturn that, it's embarrassing. You know, why even have replay if you can won't overturn that? So that's the way I feel about it. I think everybody feels that way. And I think that in the top of the ninth, when baseball continues to try to make itself more popular, and I paused before I made that statement because I don't even know if they're trying anymore. They're, I mean, they're not, they're not even trying to get their players more popular, their sport more popular. They're just going about their business as baseball does. But what is the point? <laughs> what is the point when... You go to a replay, you instilled this rule. I mean, hell, the Giants were one of the first ones to benefit from this rule in 2014 when Bochi 
made the replay uh re- made the replay challenge with that with that double play from panic at second with the diving double play where he flipped it with the glove against the Royals. Yeah. That was the first successful challenge in World Series history. That was back in 2014. And they actually got the call right. So if they're not going to get this specific call right when the game is on the line in the top of the ninth inning, I mean, I just, I, I, as a baseball fan, it just sucks to watch when you see something like that. And, and listen to the boos in Atlanta in the back of this sound clip. Listen to this when Alec Bob scored on this, uh, scored on the sacrifice five by DD Gregorius. DD pops that one into the opposite field. Ozuna's got it. Bohm's going to try it. Here he comes, and he's safe at the plate. Wow! On a shallow fly ball into left field. They roll the dice with Ozuna's arm, and Bohm is able to score on a bang-bang play at the plate. Of course, that was from ESPN. Yeah, the booing in the background from the fans in Atlanta. It should tell you all you need to know. And I can guarantee you that if you gave... Let's just say it's like, who wants to be a millionaire? And you gave the audience input, right? You gave the fans in the stands input now that you have a crowd back and you're, and you're gradually bringing crowds to the stadium. Unless, of course, you're the Rangers and you just go all out and bring everyone back right away. But that's neither here nor there. Imagine it's like, who wants to be a millionaire? And everyone gets a choice as to what the call should be at home. Now, in Atlanta, of course, they would be saying, he's out. But I guarantee you if this would even happen in Philadelphia and they had to give the fans an opportunity to say whether that was safe or out, I guarantee that even in Philadelphia they would have called that out just because his foot was nowhere near the bag. I I don't get it, you know, and there's only so much you could say about it. But just to let you know, if you are just a casual baseball fan who pays attention to Bay Area baseball and Bay Area baseball only – and you didn't see what happened in Sunday Night Baseball, the MLB is still making a fool of themselves, even in the national spotlight. So that's what happened on Sunday Night Baseball. I don't know. I don't know what else you could say. It was a very, very entertaining game. It just sucks that in the ninth inning, uh, you know, a, a battle between two teams has to end in that fashion. You know, and the other team knows it's out. You know, everyone in the, everyone in the entire stadium knows that it was out. But in the end, the call was the call, and you know they can go back, they can replay it, review it, do all these different things, have some sort of explanation. But you know, an apology is not going to bring back Armando Galarraga's perfect game. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> an apology is not going to bring back that run. Uh, something else in sports yesterday that was really cool, and um, the final round of the Masters. And shout out to Hideki Matsuyama. Becoming the first male Japanese golfer to win the Masters. And overall, that final round was a very entertaining show. Because you started out just with, you know, Bryson DeChambeau as a part of the feature groups. Uh, I believe it was with Paul Casey as well. But uh, Bryson DeChambeau just watching him try to tear apart that course. It was a very entertaining early start. And then you get into it, and Matsuyana's up at 11 under. You know, you got Jordan Spieth, you got Xander Schofle on his on his coattails, you got uh, this young kid from San Francisco whose name is just completely uh, escaping me, Zalatoris, excuse me, I don't know why I forgot that name, 
By the way, I don't know if you saw, but Adam Sandler uh, tweeted out a photo of Zalatoris side by side with the caddy that they used in Happy Gilmore. And he said, congratulations to my caddy for making it to the Masters and using Zalatoris as an example. But anyway, born in San Francisco. Um, Shout out to him for getting second place. But it was so entertaining because that front nine, everyone was having trouble, especially yesterday. Everyone having trouble on the front nine. And it felt like on the back of the front nine, when it's holes six through eight, that's really where it looked like these players were having the most trouble. And then Matsuyama absolutely destroyed uh, that front nine. I believe he started out two under on the day. And then in the final few holes, he hit one, he hit one, he hits one into the water. And Xander Schofle is able to kind of make a comeback as he birdied three straight holes. And then you get to the 16th and Xander Schofle. No matter if it's a limited capacity at Augusta, no matter if you're on that 16th tee and there's not just a massive crowd of, you know, hundreds of people standing to your left waiting for you to hit that par three. I mean, par threes, man, when you want to, when you're at a par three, you want to get that thing on the green, you know, it's in, even when you're just a regular person golfing, you're most likely not going to get it on the green if you're not a pro, but that's neither here nor there. Xander Shoffley ended up hitting it into the water, getting the triple bogey, and it was Matsuyama's to take. And uh, just so happy for him. You could tell how excited he was just to represent his country and, and represent his family and, and everything. You could tell how much it meant for him, and, and especially with a guy like Matsuyama who doesn't show a ton of emotion. He's not the type that's uh, you know, incredibly boisterous, and he's, he's always remained even-keeled, and he's always, he's always on the board. You know, Matsuyama's always there, so really cool to see him win uh, the Masters yesterday. All right. Coming up next, 888-957-9570 is the text line and the phone number. Uh, If you want to weigh in today, uh, just want to give you an update as to what happened with James Wiseman on Saturday against the Rockets after the Warriors had a back-to-back. So we'll get into that next. 888-957-9570 is the text line and the phone number if you want to weigh in on anything today. Stephen Langford in on the pregame show, 95.7 The Game. Now back to the pregame show on 95.7 The Game. Here's Stephen Langford. Stephen Langford in on the pregame show. You heard the big voice guy. 888-957-9570 is, of course, the text line and the phone number if you want to weigh in on anything today. Just opened up the show talking about what happened on Sunday Night Baseball last night as well as uh, what went on with the Masters in what was... A very, very entertaining final round, uh, especially on that back nine there. It got a little dicey up until uh, the 16th, and then Shoffley triple bogeyed, and Matsuyama came away the winner, and uh, it was was just great to see uh, yesterday. But we do have to get to what happened over the weekend. Now, first off, before we uh, get to what happened on Saturday early in the second quarter, even though the Warriors got a win on Saturday, uh, it you know it was just kind of a bummer going into going into Sunday, not knowing what was going to happen uh, with James Wiseman. But that game winner on Friday, 
when Russell Westbrook absolutely doinks it off the front of the rim and Draymond Green is in position, boxing out Robin Lopez and somehow didn't come away with the rebound as the ball gets to Bradley Beal in the corner and then he knocks it down. But at the same time, Andrew Wiggins has a hand in his face and he's fouled and then he shoots the game-winning free throw. Go on the other end of the floor. The Warriors still got six seconds left in the game. And Damian Lee causes a turnover by not going up uh, uh, for the hoop, and even though he had a, an open lane to the to the rack. And the Warriors didn't come away with the win. So you had that game on Friday, especially with how the season's going so far, where they're at in the Western Conference, and the fact that their schedule is the third easiest until the end of the season. That's according to all the outlets, ESPN, NBA, whatever. Whatever it is. The third easiest going into this, uh, going into the final stretch of the season here. So they didn't start off too hot on the Friday. And you're expected to get the win over the Rockets. The Rockets are not a good team. Of course, uh, you know, Christian Wood, he's an excellent player. But unfortunately, what happened with him and the Rockets, it's kind of like the same thing with Steven Silas. All of a sudden, it just started breaking down, and it turned out that those two guys uh, were who were where the eyes were at. But it's what happened early on in the second quarter uh, when James Wiseman went up for a dunk. So it's still 32-30 Warriors. Other side, Wall drives, lost it, thought he got fouled. Wiseman dribbles it, almost lost it. And now here comes Jordan Poole. Off the screen, back to Wiseman. Look out, goes in, it's blocked away, knocked out of bounds. Kenya Martin Jr., who's got big-time hops, comes away with a block. Well, that's one you want to finish with your right hand. You want to try to go up there and protect the ball with your body or your left hand. But he exposed the ball. And when you expose the ball, even guys that are shorter than you can get up there and get it. And he's limping. He being James Wiseman. Yeah, Kenny Martin Jr. really gets up there like his father. And with Wiseman limping, Steve Kerr's got called timeout just 37 seconds into the second quarter. So we didn't really know what was going on. He tried to come back into the game. We were a little questionable about it, but... The way that he landed on his leg, you could tell that it just was was kind of abnormal. And, of course, it was the front part of his knee and not necessarily the posterior. And so when it's the front part like that, it's most likely that bone in between uh, the femur and whatever it's called on your leg. I think it's the, I think it's the tibia. Uh, the tibia and the femur. Took one semester of anatomy one time in school, and I was trying to become an athletic trainer. Didn't pan out too well. That's why I'm here talking about this stuff at 5.23 in the morning. Uh, but we didn't really know what was going on, and then this was the la- the last update we got from Kerr after games uh, after Saturday's game. Uh, he's going to get an MRI. Um, I'm not sure if t- tonight or tomorrow, and uh, and we'll see. Uh, I don't have any other news. And then the report surfaced. Uh, from Woj and then from Shams and from everybody all around uh, that he has torn his meniscus. It is feared to be a torn meniscus, and that means he's most likely missing uh, the rest of the season. And um, quite frankly, for me, I think the biggest, you know, the the best ability is availability is, you know, a cliche, but it's also something that's very true within sports because cliches – 
can be true. And I wouldn't think that even if he could come back within this 19-game stretch that the Warriors are going to go on here to close out the season to try and possibly make uh, make the 7th through 10th seed to make the play-in tournament, um, I still think that there's no use in trying to bring Wiseman back just to kind of salvage what was a turbulent type of rookie season. But uh, 888-957-9570 is the text line and the phone number if you want to weigh in on just your thoughts on on Wiseman. The, the first thing that entered my mind, of course, is just feeling bad for the kid. You know, and and I'm 27 years old, and I just can't imagine what it must be like you know, being a 19-year-old right now in the league, and, you know, you got certain guys like Anthony Edwards over in Minnesota, and you got Patrick Williams with the Bulls, and those are some other 19-year-olds around the league who are actually thriving pretty well. And it seemed like Wiseman was kind of straggling behind these rookies, you know? He was taking his time trying to develop into a certain type of big man that the Warriors want. And, you know, how quickly that development was going. Some Warrior fans had some questions surrounding it. But ultimately, what we've seen in these past few games is growth. You know, I mean, against the Wizards, he had 18 points on nine uh, on 11 shots. Against the Bucks that or earlier that week, that big win against the Bucks. He had 13 points on 13 shots, but you know that he was active. And just when this was something that was interesting to me when I when I when I thought about it just of where Wiseman's at. It feels like the conversation about the pick and roll has been going on for a majority of the season amongst fans. Warriors Reddit, Warriors Twitter, everywhere online. And thank you, 559. Yeah, I know, I just turned 20, but I'm talking about other 19-year-olds that were in the league. Excuse me for not clarifying that I also do know that he turned 20. I do understand that. But thank you, 559, for helping me out. Where was I? But we've been talking about the pick and roll and, you know, the fact that the Warriors need to enforce it a little more and Steve Kerr needs to just run it back to a more simple offense. Well, I do think it's been tough with the cast of characters that have been surrounding the Warriors starting five and whatever James Wiseman is in and the lack of consistent shooting besides Steph. And I do think it's been tough for them to run the pick and roll. But up until now, these past few games, when the pick and roll has been brought into the Bay Area ethos and it's been talked about, Steve Kerr's talked about it, he's been asked about it, all of these different things. And the past couple of games when James Wiseman here is having what looks like a time where he's shining. Then he goes up for the dunk, gets blocked, and you know lands awkwardly on his knee, and unfortunately his season is over. So I just I feel bad for Wiseman in the first place. And, and from, seven, from the 707, say the Dubs make it to the playoffs by winning the play-in, do you think Wiseman should come back? And that would be a very interesting topic. It depends on... You know, if he's ready by then, because the prognosis for these things are completely different. It's not like that of a, you know, a torn Achilles where you're out for an entire year. Maybe that will be a discussion. I'm not, again, one semester of anatomy. Did okay in it. Did okay in anatomy. 
but I don't, I'm not going to give you a timetable as to what it could return. I've seen five to eight weeks as Dr. Narav Pandya will be joining, uh, the morning roast coming up here in about a half hour or so. So, uh, you'll, 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 uh, you'll get the updated actual news there, not from a guy who's hosting a 5 a.m. show. Uh, but that will be a possible discussion going forward. And then, you know, you just go back on the track record. And I'm not going to – the track record of injuries for the Warriors, I'm not going to – not going to have that radio conversation where it's like, which is more devastating, the injury to Clay or the injury to Wiseman? We're not going to have any sort of discussion surrounding that because they both – are very painful in their own way, you know, each time. But, you know, with KD, what happened with Clay, what happened with Steph, you know, Oubre hurting his wrist, and then James Wiseman here going up for a dunk and landing awkwardly on his knee. I, I just think the track record of injuries that surrounded the Warriors uh, for the past couple of years has just been devastating. And it's not just. Even with the Warriors, it's just within the Bay Area. And maybe, you know, maybe with um, maybe with Bay Area sports, it's just because there are so many teams that the more likely the injuries are to happen. But the way that it just has gone for the Warriors ever since, you know, KD left and Warrior fans, we've wanted the team to prove that they can do this without Kevin Durant because that has been a knock on the Warriors from some people. I'm not saying from everybody, but from some people that, you know, the Warriors couldn't win those championships without Kevin Durant uh, in 17 and 18. And of course, they did it without him before, but it was their mission to go out and try and do it again. And unfortunately, there's just been some bumps in the road here, extremely big bumps. And... So next year, what does it mean? We'll talk about that next. 888-957-9570 is the text line and the phone number if you want to weigh in on anything today. And also from, from the 707, he's actually 20 in three weeks. Come on, nice guy. You got to specify these things. I should. I should. I should start anytime I just mention anyone's age. You know, take Steph, for example. I don't know what day it is of the of the year in which it's his age, but what, Steph's in his age, 32, 165th day season. That doesn't even count because there's 100, you know, whatever. But it's like, you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? But anyway, look, 888-957-9570 is the text line and the phone number if you want to weigh in. And I, I think my simple question going forward here is, you know, this is the day that we want to just kind of reflect and, you know, hope well for Wiseman because, after all, he is a human, and, you know, what matters first is his health, first and foremost. But you also got to think about uh, the future for the Warriors. So we'll get into that next. 888-957-9570 is the text line and the phone number. Stephen Lightfoot on the pregame show, 95.7 The Game. Now back to the pregame show on 95.7 The Game. Here's Stephen Langford. Stephen Langford in on the pregame show. 
888-957-THE game. 888-957-9570 is the text line and the phone number if you want to weigh in on anything today. Coming up in about uh, 10 minutes, we're going to talk uh, some Giants baseball and the weekend that was. Maybe 15, depending on how we go uh, with this James Wiseman conversation. And, you know, just in case you're getting into your car now, we will replay once again what happened at the top of the second quarter when Wiseman went up for a dunk. So it's still 32-30 Warriors. Other side, Wall drives, lost it, thought he got fouled. Wiseman dribbles it, almost lost it. And now here comes Jordan Poole. Off the screen, back to Wiseman. Lookout goes in, it's blocked away, knocked out of bounds. Kenya Martin Jr., who's got big-time hops, comes away with a block. Well, that's one that you want to finish with your right hand. You want to try to go up there and protect the ball with your body or your left hand. But he exposed the ball. And when you expose the ball, even guys that are shorter than you can get up there and get it. And he's limping. He being James Wiseman. Yeah, Kenya Martin Jr. really gets up there like... His father, and with Wiseman limping, Steve Kerr's got called timeout just 37 seconds into the second quarter. And here was the update that Steve Kerr gave after Saturday's win regarding uh, James Wiseman. Uh, he's going to get an MRI. Um, I'm not sure t- tonight or tomorrow, and uh, and we'll see. Uh, I don't have any other news. And if you go to Adrian Wojnarowski or Shams Sharania, uh, both of them had sources that it was feared to be a torn meniscus. And after all, it was, and it's looking like he'll be out uh, for the remainder of the season. 888-957-9570 is the text line and the phone number if you want to weigh in. Um, again, Dr. Narav Pandya will be uh, coming up with the morning roast here in about an hour. Um, he'll have everything to explain regarding uh, the Wiseman injury and you know, the timeline and the comeback. And one thing that I have seen uh, Dr. Narav Pandya tweeting out recently is that just tearing the meniscus is not the end of the world. It is not the type of injury that has had the history with young players of, you know, maybe not getting back to who they were or having them stunt their development, anything like that. So there is some sort of positive that you're trying to to make sense of here. But from the 510, in an attempt to find the silver lining of a bad situation, we've dealt with injury issues with another warrior early in his career, and people had the same questions about his durability. And it turned out well for us, and that is, of course, uh, Stephen Curry. And you were, I mean, you were, you were getting him on that four-year, $44 million deal. Remember that. It was the same as Madison Bumgarner. And after the Warriors, uh, after the excuse me, after the uh, Giants won those championships and the Warriors started making playoff pushes, that that was the question of, you know, which which contract is more valuable. Um, but I, I will say that at this point, it just it just stinks for Wiseman, you know, being 20 years old in three weeks. Thank you. Shout out to you, 707. Uh, but the fact that he's, you know, 20 years old and was just getting the confidence to run the screen and roll with Steph, with Draymond. And you know what? Confidence isn't even the right word there. But the fact that he understood the positioning and where to be and how to get open and using his size, spacing himself away from the defender, you know, using the fact that 
Steph is getting double teamed as an opportunity to get to the basket. Wiseman was doing all those things and and, and starting to do them well uh, toward the end here. As mentioned, that game against the Wizards, even though they lost in what turned out to be pretty heartbreaking fashion with Bradley Beal hitting that three in the corner, in the left corner, but he scored 18 points that night on 23 minutes on the floor, you know, on 9 of 11 shooting, and he also had six rebounds. That's another thing. He was starting to look uh, stronger on the glass, you know, being more forceful using his arms, using his size, boxing out guys, jumping over guys who are trying to box him out. You know, he was he he was starting to come along here and, and just seeing that injury. And also, I think the other thing that I wrote down here is just the fact that 19 games left in a season, knowing that you have the third easiest strength of schedule according to ESPN until the rest of the season, 19 games is just a huge chunk. It is a big enough amount, it's a big enough sample size to where you can make the decision on James Wiseman. If maybe you're on the fence about him as the second overall pick, personally I'm not. Personally I think he's going to grow into a very good player and you know, you look at all these guys who were 20 years old, these big men at one time who were 19, 20 years old coming into the league and just look at how much bigger they are now. I mean, let's just take Joel Embiid, for example. I mean, the dude's just absolutely massive now, but when he first got into the league, he certainly wasn't as big as he is now. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it, and I think he's going to grow into a great player. But these 19 games could sway the opinion of some people, could get him talked about in the discussions for... Uh, the best younger players on the come up in the NBA. You know, right now, LaMelo Ball, uh, before he got injured, was all the hype. Anthony Edwards, he had that 42-point game, and he started to become the hype. And you never really saw James Wiseman's names mentioned. You know, Tyrese Halliburton, Patrick Williams from the Bulls, all these guys. And, you know, it felt like in the in the last 19 games, I think Wiseman would have put uh, some of these people on notice with just the way that he was playing and how easy the schedule is going forward. But also, just looking to next season and thinking about how important the 19 games are this year heading into next year. Because, look, even though developing Wiseman was really the either the 1A or the 1B, depending on who you are, along with the Warriors making the play-in tournament. But developing Wiseman were the two primary things that Warrior fans wanted this year, right? It's just, look, try to get the play-in tournament, make it a little more interesting. Who knows if you'll even make the playoffs from there. But let's also develop the young second overall pick in James Wiseman. And now uh, one of those... Uh, one of those options is taken off the table, and I think another one that has to enter into this into the discussion now is what's going to happen with the starting five after you see what happens toward the end of this year. You know, I mean, what they're going to do with their starting five, I expect, you know, m- maybe they'll put Kavon Looney in there and they'll just have JTA uh, come in with that second unit and they'll just start Looney, but... Quite frankly, I think Looney's been playing just fine with the backups. I'd be totally okay if this was like February when neither Looney nor Wiseman were on the floor at the same time and they just started 
uh, with small ball with uh, with JTA and just doing five out and running their offense in that fashion. I'd be okay if the Warriors did that uh, for the remainder of the season. Um, but there are a couple of things to pay attention to besides Wiseman. It is either Andrew Wiggins has established himself as the trustable, the the trustworthy starting three next season. Has he done that? But also, has anyone established themselves in that second unit? Has anyone given you the confidence that the second unit, at least next season, is somewhat solidified? You know, will Jordan Poole uh, become that dude? And, you know, maybe he becomes a little more consistent as soon as he stops, you know, dribbling the ball for absolutely no reason whatsoever. Or will, um, you know, will Kevon Looney, hell, what's he going to do if he plays in that second unit? Will he continue to thrive? He's played well uh, with that second unit so far. So, I mean, there are a few question marks there, but it's also, for me, the the thing that stings just as much as anything, besides, of course, just how you feel for Wiseman and um, what he has to go through mentally here and just the way that his career's gone. Um, but for me, you know, thinking of, about the Warriors' future, and if we're looking at it from a team standpoint, I'm going to need Wiseman to be that number two guy next season, especially when Clay tries to ease back into it. You know, maybe Clay can grow back into being the number two scorer, but guys that we need to contribute right away, guys who need to be good. Not just not necessarily great at that point because it's still the beginning of the season, but guys who can get you 15, 20 points a, a night while Steph is Steph is doing Steph things, and you know maybe Wiggins can get some scoring going, and I don't know maybe Draymond can start uh, shooting a little more. I don't know, get into the rack, whatever it is. But Wiseman would be the number two for me as the guy that needs to contribute next year, and. You know, this does put um, a hindrance on it. And what we're going to see going into next season, really, you know, not too sure. Because um, these next 19 games, I feel like, were just absolutely crucial for Wiseman. And, you know, it just stinks also knowing how things have gone for him. Not only this season, but in the past two seasons alone. I mean, think about that. Only playing three games with your college in Memphis, and that's the team where you were meant to be a star, and that season was going to be your season. I, all eyes were going to be on James Wiseman this year, as well as well as what was going on with Gonzaga. But eyes were going to be on James Wiseman uh, that year. Excuse me, I'm talking about this year. What am I talking about? But he couldn't play in that season. And he was done after three games. Then comes into this year, has a limited training camp, test positive for COVID right at the start. You know, we were all excited for everything that was going on with Wiseman. He's starting in the first game against the Nets. All of that good stuff. And then, you know, into the year, gets benched, doesn't really know what his role is too much. Sometimes looks a little lost on the court and is making Warrior fans question uh, you know, what's going on with the second overall pick. And then 
just when we're starting to see these flashes of Wiseman, the, the, the athleticism, the maturity, you know, the maturity that he shows on the court. Everything surrounding Wiseman, I guess still the one thing we wanted to see him improve out his body language, right? And just not getting so down on himself. But when he's playing the way that he's playing right now, having scored 18 points on 9 of 11 shooting, being very uh, efficient along with six rebounds, it just sucks to see because it seems like uh, nothing can go right for this guy. And, you know, I'm I'm looking forward to him coming back next year and playing all offseason and working all offseason in order to get better because if there's something that we might know about James Wiseman, it is that he is a incredibly hard worker and will do anything in order uh, to be the best. And when you hear him say that, you know it's not just fluff. You know that he truly means it. So, um, you know, get better, James Wiseman, and and hopefully you can come back and really, I, I think, just turn everyone's heads. You know, make them remember who you are because these next 19 games, we're going to be paying attention a lot to what's going on within the Western Conference and, you know, what happens with the Timberwolves, what happens with the Rockets, are the Warriors going to be getting that top three protected pick from the Timberwolves, what's going to be going on there. But then next season, we just got to remember that you're going to be getting Steph, Clay, Wiggins, Draymond, and hopefully Wiseman in that starting five. And I do think that's pretty exciting. But other things can happen uh, going forward. You never know what can happen in the draft. And you just it, it could be looking like a completely different team uh, going into next year. So uh, just hope James Wiseman can come back from that and, uh, you know, just wish the dude well. All right. Let's transition on to a little baseball here because it was the first weekend at home for the San Francisco Giants. And as I was arguing with my girlfriend for a majority of Friday, whether it should be called opening day or should be called the home opener, I am of the opinion that opening day is opening day. The rest are just home openers. But who am I to argue? Who am I to argue? Not going to be doing it. Not going to be doing it. Not going to be doing it on Friday, even though I did a majority of the time. But just a real quick round of applause for the Giants and just the way that they handle these situations. The Giants are always so good. Uh, with their ceremonies and their celebrations. You know, the, one of the most recent ones uh, that I could think of was, you know, the 10-year anniversary of the 2010 championship team, the way that they brought back some of the favorite players, and <laughs> you had all that stuff going on with Aubrey Huff, and Tim Litsicum made an appearance, and everyone was going nuts for that. They've always done these things pretty well, and the video that they put out, with Kruko and just the way that he was narrating everything that happened and something like that will make you look back and remember what we actually went through in order to get to this point to have uh, fans back into the stands. Uh, but that was just an excellent pregame video that they had. And then, of course, they brought out Brian Stowe uh, to throw out the ceremonial first pitch. So it was uh, it was very emotional opening. Uh, it was a very emotional home opener. I'm not calling it opening day, but it was a very emotional home opener. And then to cap it off, 
Johnny Cueto just throws an absolute gem. Then the next day they go on and get the win, and they go on to beat the Rockies in what was, sweep the Rockies in what was just a very efficient series. What the Giants are doing right now, and it's not necessarily with their offense. You're getting home runs here and there. I mean, well, I mean, yesterday they were using some small ball a little bit as, you know, Belt stole the bag, and then Longoria gets it to a full count, then drives him in to make it uh, 2 nothing. But there was already a run put up on the board thanks to a Dickerson home run. And that's how they've been getting a majority of uh, a majority of these uh, out of a majority of these games as far as run support for these pitchers. But these starting pitchers have been on fire. And Anthony DiSclefani yesterday, I mean, this dude, he was just a you know a journeyman all the way from Miami, Cincinnati, and now with the Giants all the way from 2014. He was a sixth round pick. Back in 2011, and yesterday, with the type of game that he had, I mean, everything with him was just working. And whether it was, you know, getting out of the fourth with that strikeout after he had the wild pitch on a, which led to a stolen bag. I mean, he got out of the fourth with a with a K. Then he got out of the sixth with runners on second and third. And with only one out, and, and really the real hero there is uh, Kasalig, though. He kept the wild pitch in play um, when Hilliard at, at the plate was down two strikes. But DiSclefani was getting outs yesterday, and I don't know. I'm not going to try and make you know some sort of judgment as to the type of pitcher that he is. But yesterday, after having eight Ks on the day, right now he's 1-0 and through two games. He's only given up one earned run on 10 hits, and he struck out 12 and only walked four so far. And that's something that st- stands out whenever you're looking at DeSlefani's numbers is just his strikeout-to-walk ratio. And the strikeouts that he was getting yesterday, I thought he was locating the ball real well. He's got some movement on his pitches. I mean, he's got a 95, 96-mile-an-hour fastball with a little bit of movement. Kruko was talking about that all day on the broadcast yesterday the late movement that DiSclefani was getting, but timely hits, timely runs, good pitching, and then also some good defense. You know, throughout that stat, through the first six games last year, the Giants had nine errors <laughs> through six games. And then through the first six games of the six, this season, they only had two. And going forward, they've just been so good on defense, and there was one play yesterday when Jordan Alvarez came in uh, for DiSclefani after DiSclefani went six strong, but Crawford stretched out for the catch on this fielder's choice. You remember that? It was the grounder to Jose Alvarez, and you know he flipped it back when he had a runner on first and threw it back to second, and Brandon Crawford had to reach across his body and make an unbelievable catch which gave them the fielder's choice, and then they ended up getting out of the inning. But it's little things like that which make this Giants team different. Last year, it was them actually putting up crooked numbers on the board, right? Didn't expect much from the bullpen. Hell, the defense wasn't giving them anything, but the offense was actually clicking, hitting home runs, getting guys on base 
putting up crooked numbers, something they weren't doing in the season previous when it felt like they'd get down by three runs in the fourth inning and you just felt like there was no hope of coming back. But now they're doing it with some starting pitching and some defense, and the bullpen is also keeping them in the games. Tyler Rogers yet again coming in yesterday. (laughs) It's like... Can never get away from that. Can never get away from a dicey situation with Tyler Rogers, but he still managed to get out of it, and the Warriors came away with a series sweep over the Rockies. And look, they were just good wins. They were very good wins. All right, before we get to the morning roast with Kate Scott, Joe the Butcher Boy Shasky, and Bonte Hill, just want to replay the big play of the night yesterday or last night besides Not only Hideki Matsuyama winning the Masters, shout out to him, the first male Japanese player to win the Masters, which was just awesome to see in a very entertaining back nine. But we had this play on Sunday Night Baseball in the top of the ninth between the Phillies and the Braves when there was one out with a runner on third, Alec Bohm, and Didi Gregorius was at the plate. Didi pops that one into the opposite field. Ozuna's got it. Bohm's going to try it. Here he comes, and he's safe at the plate. Wow. On a shallow fly ball into left field. They roll the dice with Ozuna's arm, and Bohm is able to score on a bang-bang play at the plate. And the replay came in. Credit to ESPN for that audio. The review came in from New York, and they confirmed the call. They ruled him safe when it clearly showed that his foot was nowhere near the bag. And oh, by the way, it was tied. Braves and Phillies were tied 6-6, and it was a very entertaining ball game. And then at the top of the ninth, that happens. They make the wrong call. Somehow with slow-mo review replay, even if everybody at home, everybody in that stadium, including the Phillies, even though they all knew that he was out, They ended up calling him safe, and the Phillies got the win. And yet, it's another embarrassing moment for baseball. As former Giants pitcher, now brave, Drew Smiley put it yesterday after his start. Here's Drew Smiley after the game talking about that final play. It's a shame to end a game game like that. It's, you know, in real time, it's obviously bang, bang. Lance is right there in position, making the best call he can. Um, But then we have five different angles on a national televised game. It's clear that his foot didn't touch the plate, that it was on the chalk. Everyone saw it and sees it. You know, everyone knows it. And for MLB not to overturn that, it's embarrassing. You know, why even have replay if you can won't overturn that? So that's the way I feel about it. I think everybody feels that way. It was just an unbelievable day of sports yesterday and that you find out in basketball something like this which happens a lot with your injuries to the leg you find out that it's the meniscus for Wiseman you had what happened in the Masters which is just always a great ending with the ending on the 18th there with the sun coming down on that 18th green and seeing Matsuyama win it it was a great moment and the Masters always pull out great moments but then you had baseball ruining the ending of a game it's just poetry in motion all right Coming up next with the morning roast with Kate Scott, Bonte Hill, and Joe the Butcher Boy Shasky. They're going to be joined by Dr. Narav Pandya at 635. So anything you want to know about James Wiseman and the recovery and what it's going to take for that torn meniscus, that's coming up at 635. And then Anthony Slater at 815. Plus, 
We got Wiseman Watch at 8 o'clock as well. The Morning Roast coming up next. Thanks so much for joining me, everyone. I'll be back tomorrow at 5 a.m. on 95.7 The Game. Tune into The Roast now.